Good morning and welcome to episode 111 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast at baseballprospectus.com. I'm Sam Miller in Long Beach, California. Ben Lindbergh is in New York, New York. Ben, how are you doing? I'm okay, but I think this felt to me like the most boring day of the offseason, possibly. Um, it seems like we're at about that point where nothing is happening. Uh, yeah, I I found today to be not too boring, but nothing that um, happened meant anything. You know, it mm-hmm. was like, uh, like, like, so Sergio Romo right, had some sort that. of confrontation in the airport. And, and I, Sergio Romo might be my favorite player. And as much as I have a favorite player, which I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so I was interested in that. And I was interested to read, um, when Scott Miller, yeah, I was just gonna uh, ask you if you'd seen if you'd seen that too. Yeah, so Scott Scott Miller um, of CBS kind of uh, had a backhanded, well, not backhanded. He kind of insulted Romo. He uh, sort of said something like, uh, you know, he, he uh, I don't, I, let me see if I can find it. But basically, uh, <laughs> he said he, he says, he'd been belligerent and he he kind of blew him off when he tried to interview him during the postseason or gave some sort of rude answer. Uh, exactly. And yeah. Scott Miller is not the kind of reporter who normally goes out of his way to um, needle players or to needle anybody. And so this sort of has uh, kind of emerged on his Twitter feed over the last couple of hours where he's been kind of explaining it in bits and pieces to people in replies. And so finally it seems to have um, been revealed that um, Romo sort of was kind of freaking out in the clubhouse during the postseason. And so Miller wrote about this um, belligerence and rudeness. And somebody named uh, Marcos uh, Breton, Breton said, yeah, he got weird at the end. It was bizarre. And then Brian Murphy of KNBR says, this is all disheartening to hear. He did a weekly show with us and couldn't have been better. And Marcos said, you could start to see it after game two. He had become a story and was engulfed in his locker by press, freaked him out. And then Scott says that's probably the best explanation. He suddenly became center of attention and freaked. Um, and that's fascinating to me. So that doesn't have any importance in the baseball season. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, that was interesting. And um, the thing that John Parado wrote it's about It's kind Palmero, of fascinating because if he was freaking out in the clubhouse, you'd expect that maybe that would have carried over to the field when the spotlight was on him. But it didn't seem to at all. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's hard to say for sure whether it did. Um, I mean, he certainly, there were, I, I don't know when, I guess if this freakout happened in the World Series, it probably didn't affect him. And I actually wouldn't expect it to affect him, but um, like he he had some of the worst games I've ever seen him throw in the, in the NLDS and NLCS, uh, where he just really couldn't, couldn't break off a slider at all. Um, Anyway, and so then the Rafael Palmero thing was mm-hmm. interesting, mm-hmm. And where uh, uh, John Parado, I think, talked to somebody who is convinced that Palmero was actually clean and had been tricked into doing steroids, but can't admit it because I guess maybe he would uh, be like incriminating himself in a perjury charge or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. It doesn't mean anything at all, but it was interesting <laughs> to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but anyway, as far as things that matter, nothing happened, and that's why today we're going to talk about Kyle Loesch, 
uh, to whom nothing has happened. Yes, the story about Kyle Loesch is that nothing has happened, so he's so appropriate. Did, did you know that Scott Boris's nickname is Mr. January? <laughs> Until I read that it was in Jeff Passan's article at Yahoo a couple days ago, no, I had never heard that. I was aware of his reputation for getting big deals late in the offseason, but I had never heard him called that. Me neither. And so then I, I Googled to try to find it, and trust me, that is uh, not a Google you want to spend a lot of time with. <laughs> uh, well, now you make me want to. Uh, well, there's not a lot of Scott Boris references, I guess, <laughs> when you search for Mr. January. Uh -huh. Okay. Um, so anyway, Kyle Loesch is uh, unsigned. We actually talked a little bit, mm -hmm. I, I guess a little bit about this when we talked about qualifying offers and whether they're holding back mm -hmm. the, the sort of the four highest remaining profile um, free agents, um, of whom Loesch is one. And he was on a radio show today with a gentleman named Tim McKernan and talked uh, fairly candidly and uh, at length about sort of what his market has been and his market has been uh, I mean I, I think all of us kind of sense it's been sort of strangely quiet because when's the last time you heard a Kyle Loesch rumor um, mm -hmm. he just hasn't you haven't heard him linked to teams the way that you heard uh, all these other guys linked to teams and he says that he hasn't spoken to the Cardinals which, in like which is probably true of the other qualifying offer guys who are left or I mean you haven't really heard much about Rafael Soriano and I guess you've heard things about Michael Bourne but mostly the fact that he doesn't seem to fit anywhere um so sort of I'm, true for those guys too yeah, Bourne is the exception I think I, I've seen Bourne linked not not necessarily like super closely but linked to a number of teams and mm -hmm. LaRouche I think uh like there was a Red Sox rumor recently yeah and, and all that but yeah um so Loesch says he hasn't spoken to the Cardinals in months and so he doesn't expect really to be signing there uh, he says he's had to scale back his expectations um John Heyman wrote in September that the aim for Loesch could be to beat CJ Wilson's 75 million dollar deal mm -hmm. uh Jim Bowden predicted three years and 39 million and now it's sort of starting to sound like even Loesch is kind of realistic about what he's going to get. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, I don't know. What do we want to say about Kyle Loesch? Uh, I guess at the beginning of the offseason or even towards the end of the season, I think there was kind of this Kyle Loesch backlash. And I think maybe we even may have talked about Kyle Loesch's impending free agency at some point. And there was just this overwhelming sense that he was going to make much more money than he should make or that the team that, that paid him was going to regret whatever it signed him for. Just because Kyle Loesch career-wise has not been anything particularly special uh, and he's coming off a career year and he's in his early 30s or whatever he is, 33, 34. And... Uh, and and as I should note, a superficial career year. I mean, yeah, right. It was like a fluky Babbitt sort of year, and and all that. It's a baseball card career year, but it was. I mean, he had a 200 Babbitt with runners in scoring position, um, and you. I mean, it was a. He had a. He had a fine FIP, but he wasn't really a fundamentally different pitcher. I mean, I think we had him at 1.1 warp 
and Pakoda projects him for 0.5 next year, which is lower than I would be comfortable saying, but um, Pakoda's smarter than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he, he I guess, has done some things better over the last couple years. He has certainly walked fewer batters than he ever has before, uh, or at least he did in 2012. And I guess his his slider has been more effective and has supposedly just become a better pitch. And so he struck out more guys than he usually does, although certainly not an impressive amount of, of batters. So maybe he's gotten better, but there was still a sense that teams were going to look at the ERA and, and the 16-3 and three record and give him some giant contract. And then he would just kind of turn back into innings eater Kyle Osh and not even really that great an innings eater. Um, And so now it seems like things have swung back completely in the other direction where in the last couple days, people have just in conversation said things to me like it's kind of a shame that Kyle Osh is not getting any offers and is not going to get a contract because he's not a bad pitcher. Um, I don't know that, I mean, when we were, talking about his free agency at the beginning of the offseason. I don't think we said Kyle Osh is terrible. It's just we thought Kyle Osh was not as good as as the contract he would get. But now it looks like possibly he's better than the contract that he will get. Yeah, it, it almost, I, I don't know if this is true, but it almost feels like if, if instead of going 16 and 3 with a, a what did he have, like 270 RA or something like that. 286. It, if instead of that he had had like all the same peripherals but had gone like you know 14 and 9 with like a 3.21 ERA Mm -hmm. I wonder if he would actually be signed by now for like the same contract he's ultimately going to get like I wonder how much of this is a sort of backlash to the surface stats and Mm -hmm. like you once you sort of get it in your head that the guy is worse than he looks then I don't know. I wonder if that starts to um, to to uh, if that's if that starts to slide into just a negative impression of him overall. I mean, I doubt I doubt that front offices are dumb like me, um, but that I I think that probably happened with me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably me, me too. Uh, David Schoenfeld did an article at ESPN at his blog, the the sweet spot, where he kind of looked to he tried to gauge the value of first round picks because that has become such a story with these remaining free agents not being signed presumably because of the draft pick compensation or at least that's been a factor so he looked to see what these draft picks have been worth and we've talked on the podcast before about similar efforts um and he concluded uh that it does depend to some extent on where in the first round you're picking. If you're uh, a good team, then you probably have a late first round pick, which is not the same expectations-wise as an early first round pick. Um, So he said that if he's the Rangers and he has a late pick uh, and they're interested at all in someone like Michael Bourne, and the money itself is not prohibitive, then he just wouldn't worry about losing that first-round pick because the odds are that that player isn't going to turn into anything special anyway. Um, He was looking at the last 20 years or so, and uh, he said basically 1 in 10 
met whatever criteria he was using for a, a star player. So uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's been too big a factor, or maybe we've just been kind of overrating the role of the draft pick compensation in, in this, and maybe it's not so much the pick as it is, as you said, the kind of the expectations contract-wise for Loesch and for Soriano. Well, Loesch... Loesch sort of uh, almost explicitly said that that he that that it is what has limited him. Yeah, uh, he, he specifically said it. Um, for instance, with when he was asked whether the Rangers and the Yankees would make sense, he said, "You know, yeah, but uh, it seemed to, it seemed that he had you know knowledge that the draft pick is what's holding him back from those two teams." Yeah, and compared he compared himself to Anibal Sanchez and and Zach Greinke, uh, who are better pitchers, but they probably aren't. Uh, when you're reading the Scott Boris binder on Kyle Loesch, um, and uh, said that it's sort of not a fair market. Uh, it's not a free market in that they have uh, no traffic compensation tied to them. So, right, and maybe he's right about that, and he certainly knows more about the market for himself than we know about his market. Um, but I wonder whether it's possible that he is using that as a scapegoat and possibly Boris is using that as a scapegoat when yeah. talking to Loesch about why he hasn't gotten that big offer yet. Cause yeah. presumably Boris told Loesch he was going to cash in at some point. He hasn't. So uh, your agent kind of has to justify to you why he hasn't gotten you that giant contract. And maybe he's blaming the draft pick thing when that's not the, the main reason. I don't know. Maybe it is. It's weird because teams do give up draft picks to sign free agents. They do it every year. They do it all the time. I mean, they don't. They prefer not to. But when I mean, the reason that they redid all this draft pick compensation is not because uh, it was getting in the way of guys like Kyle Loesch signing. It was because it was getting in the way of guys like Juan Cruz signing. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I don't know. Is it? No one really designed the. I mean, if the CBA is designed to promote competitive balance or if the, the draft pick compensation system is designed to promote that, then, I mean, it's kind of the point that that a, a good free agent comes with that cost, um, I suppose. I don't know if Kyle Loesch kind of meets the threshold for a good free agent where that was intended to make teams think twice about signing him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, the people who have had the, the qualifying offers who have signed, uh, like Hamilton or like Swisher, I guess the, the draft pick was a factor in their markets too, but they were just better, I guess, or teams had fewer concerns about them or there was just more of a, a market for them than there is for, a reliever or a back of the rotation guy, which maybe is what Loesch kind of is. So where's Loesch going to end up? Uh, I have no idea. Um, I haven't been following the Kyle Loesch rumors to the extent that they've existed. Um, and I haven't really looked to see who really needs a starter. It sounds like the Cardinals will not be the team that brings him back based on his comments that he hasn't, talk to them in three or four months which which is kind of impossible right (laughs) right which means he wasn't talking to them while he was pitching for them uh which would be strange but 
I don't know. I really have no no guess off the top of my head. Um, do you? Uh, I you know the um, when the Angels signed Joe Blanton, it seemed sort of odd, and Colin Wires uh, defended it based on the idea that what the Angels really needed was stability. They needed somebody who could pitch innings, even if they were garbage innings. Uh, they they did need to have a human being who could stand on a mound uh, for you know 200 innings or so, and um, I think that's still true of them. I, I think that they're still a team that needs um, that needs something they can rely on because I don't think that they can rely on uh, Hanson, um, and I'm not sure they can honestly. I'm not sure they can rely on Blanton to 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 have an ERA lower than five and a half. And even if those guys do kind of work out and make it through the year, I don't think they have a game three starter for the postseason. And, you know, the Angels have a really good defense to put behind a guy who pitches to sort of contact. Uh, they have a good park for a guy who has a, a, a actually who's not a ground ball pitcher at all anymore. Um, and they've already given up their first round pick. So at this point, they're talking about a late second round pick. Um, I mean, I'm sure that it would sort of suck to have to wait until, um, you know, the 105th or whatever pick to draft like they did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are going to sacrifice, they will sacrifice less than any other team mm-hmm. um, to sign him. So um, to me, that makes sense. It would also maybe make sense if it were, um, if they're worried about uh, all of the long term. Contracts piling up if Loesch sees it as a potential pillow contract or maybe as a kind of modified, maybe like a two-year deal where they each get a little something out of it. Um, so that would make sense to me. The Yankees would still make sense to me if Loesch wants to hit the market again in a year. I don't think he will. I don't think this is like Edwin Jackson where he can really be confident that he's going to hit the market no. with the same value that he did last year. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's not appealing. But I don't know. I, I could see the... Um, the Giants, I think, have, uh, by my math, should have a little bit of money to spend. And right now, Barry Zito's in their rotation. Um, and I think that they would be smarter to not have that be true. <laughs> and you know what? If the Royals are willing to give up Will Myers, maybe Dayton Moore is able to, uh, I mean, to get a pitcher, then maybe Dayton Moore uh, can convince his owner to free up a little money. Mm-hmm and get Kyle Loesch because they're not there yet. Huh. Yeah, that would maybe retrospectively make me like that trade even less, probably, if they signed another free agent pitcher. Uh, it would, I think it would probably make me like it a little more, uh-huh. but I, I would not like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we talked about the, the Joel Pinero precedent with the Angels at some point. Yeah. And they're like signing a Cardinals similar. pitcher who just recently uh became better and that didn't work out so well for them it didn't although the first year was pretty good mm-hmm. and then the second year was disastrous i don't know that i don't i don't know the second year went horribly but i don't know that you'd like necessarily say oh well that's definitely going to happen to Loesch or mm-hmm. anything like that but yeah i mean the pinero precedent isn't great i mean every no it's not that the pinero precedent isn't great it's that every precedent in baseball history is not great for Kyle Loesch. He doesn't have the track record. He doesn't have the peripherals. There's nothing particularly compelling about his case as a pitcher. But if you're only paying for a two-win guy, why not? Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, we've talked for the traditional amount of time, uh, despite having very little to talk about. So good job by us, I guess. Um, we'll be back next week. And I guess next week we could maybe talk about the Hall of Fame stuff if either of us has any appetite for that. I feel like if I see one more person's Hall of Fame ballot at this point, I will just fall asleep instantly. But maybe we can talk about our Hall of Fame choices or something. And, of course, we will answer your questions on Wednesday if you send them to us at podcast at baseballprospectus.com. So we'll be back next week.